Jackson on the drive, kicks it out for Mann. Mann, three-pointer, bang! Oh, what a man! Magic down the middle, just what I thought, a hook shot at 12, good! Here's Michael at the foul line, a shot on Elo, good! The Bulls win! They win! Now that's a steal by Murr, underneath the DJ, right there! Going up over Bell, Paul away! What's going on, guys? Welcome to another post-game live, the last one before the All-Star break here on Dime Dropper. Before we get started, make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast and follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok if you've got it at Dime Dropper Pod. Today's episode, gonna be a good one, probably fairly long, I'd say. Clippers and Suns, last game of the All-Star break. I was just at the Clippers-Warriors game. Had an amazing seat right by the tunnel. Go check it out. The vlog is out. Got some good views this morning, and it's on the channel. So go like, subscribe, comment. Let me know what you think. Got to holler at some of the players. But let's get right into the episode tonight. Clippers and Phoenix Suns, still no Kevin Durant for the Suns. No campaign as well, who usually gives us fits. And then for the Clippers, no Norman Powell, who is out with right knee management. I don't remember exactly what game it was that he hurt his knee, but he played amazing against the Warriors on Tuesday. So I think it's just extra rest. And Norman Powell is not a guy who's been sat on back-to-backs or rested or load managed or anything like that. So I wouldn't be too concerned. And you know what I didn't think about going into this All-Star break is that Kawhi gets an extra rest because he's not even going to be there. So that's awesome. But Super Chats are turned on. If you want to drop a dollar a dime as normal, you know you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and review. Leave a review if you'd like. Let's take a, take a listen to a comment right now. Clippers Fanboy says, Dime, do you believe the Clippers could take the Mavs in the first round? Because it seems as though our best case scenario is the Kings. But if we don't get them, then it'll be the Mavs or the Suns. I think the, the Mavericks, I mean, it would be so difficult. I think what we've got to do is just try to get the three seed and hope for the best. The thing is, you're not going to be playing an easy team in the West, you know, in any round if you don't get a top two seed. It's always been that way. If you get a three seed, the six seed, I mean, in my lifetime, has been a good team. So you're probably going to be playing a good team. Obviously, we don't want to play against Kevin Durant's sons in the first round. But... Hopefully they won't finish sixth. I mean, I'm hoping at this point the Suns finish fourth and the Clippers finish third, and then Sacramento slips down to sixth and Dallas gets fifth. That would be the pipe dream right there. So let's just cross our fingers that that happens. Lakers Nation says, felt good seeing y'all whip that Phoenix Sun ass as a Laker fan. Appreciate that. Wispy Arsonist says, Bones kind of clunky in the pick and roll. Not going to lie. I disagree there. But we'll get into all that in a second. Let's get off with the way the Clippers started. So... We saw Terrence Mann guarding Chris Paul. I'm sorry, Devin Booker. And then Paul George guarding Chris Paul. You know, length is really shown to bother Chris Paul these last couple of years since he's been on the Suns, since he's lost that burst. And he's never been the quickest guy in the world, but he's still had more burst off the bounce than now. Now teams know that they can switch everything, and he really doesn't have that much going downhill. And I thought that Terrence Mann and Paul George did a pretty good job. But I also think Ter- uh, Chris Paul and Devin Booker were just missing shots. Just missing a lot of mid-ranges. I mean, you know Zoo's going to be in drop coverage. 
And I thought Zoo did a fairly good job. But the thing is this, and this applies to everybody, even Terrence Mann, who I think sometimes can take the wrong angle on screens. I think he can be a little too far behind and chases them. But there's times where he's basically behind them fully, and Zubots has to play two guys at once. And if there's no rotation there, that just makes Zubots look bad. And I think a couple of times, not just Terrence Mann, but several guys, Bones Highland, not really as much Eric Gordon. I thought he did a really good job getting over screens. But, you know, some guys, it felt like, even Nico Batum, there were times where he got beat on a screen and he was a pretty clear shot for a Suns player, mainly Chris Paul or Devin Booker, and Zubats had to come up. And that's how Aiton was getting all those push shots that he was getting in the first half. And that pick and roll is really hard to guard. When you have a big and drop coverage taking away the immediate jump shot for Chris Paul or Devin Booker coming off the screen, then DeAndre Aiton at, in that little pick and pop spot right next to him for those push shots or foul line mid-ranges is really lethal. He shoots a very high percentage with those shots. And in this game... I mean, it's just the classic story with Aiton, right? 18 points, 6 rebounds. That's not enough rebounds, by the way. Zubats totally out-rebounded him with 12. Six of those offensive rebounds. I thought Zoo did a really good job on the offensive glass. Only critique I'd have for Zoo is there's times where he gets an offensive rebound and he just, like, knows the contact is coming and it's like he knows he's not going to get fouls. So he just kind of flails and loses the ball. He's got to be a little bit stronger. I know they're going to hack the shit out of him and they don't call anything, but he's got to have to just be a little bit stronger and try to hold on to the ball better. That's all I can say. But other than that, I mean, I thought Kawhi Leonard's help defense was pretty good. Paul George was playing with energy in terms of his defense. I thought our defense was okay. I think they were just missing shots, but I liked our offense and it really starts with Paul George. Thought he was coming off screens and knocking down his jumpers, and he got off to a good start shooting the ball. Contested threes, mid-range step backs. You know, Torrey Craig was going to guard uh, Kawhi Leonard. Akogi was going to guard Paul George. You know those guys are going to switch that as well if they set screens for one another. And they were doing a really good job on Kawhi. I mean, they got a couple of double teams in, but a lot of it was just Kawhi Leonard missing shots in the first half that he makes all the time. The dude was 0 for 8 in the first half with a donut. And that being said, because of Paul George, because of Terrence Mann, who again, just the man for the big occasion, playing so goddamn well. His jumper has been absolutely on lately. And he also has the ability to get to the basket, which he's been doing so much recently. And I love how he just pushes the pace. He has the ability to get the rebound and get down the court. And it's just insane to me that it's taken this long for Ty Lue to realize that Terrence Mann needs to be playing significant minutes every single night. And I tweeted about it earlier. It's not like, you know, he only, I mean, he, it's, you know, he only played well in the playoffs in our biggest, you know, closeout games of this 2-1-3 era. I mean, that's all he's proven, just that. I mean, come on, man. The fact that he needs to prove himself over and over again every season is just ridiculous. Come on, man. Look at what he does for the team, the athleticism he adds, the energy that he adds, the fight, the heart. It's what we need. And when he's hitting his three ball and shooting the ball with the confidence that he's been shooting the last couple of games, I mean, he might be the third best player on the team overall in what we need him to do. I mean, you can argue Norman Powell, absolutely. And honestly, Eric Gordon making a case for that as well, the way he looked tonight. But Terrence Mann, 26 points, four rebounds, 
three assists. He was tied for a game high alongside Paul George, who I felt was probably the best player on the court tonight. But you can make it. I mean, you can make a case for Terrence Mann, but Terrence Mann's not catching schemes. Paul George is the one that the game, the Suns are game planning for. They're putting their best defenders on. Terrence Mann is getting shots because of other guys. But Terrence Mann is guarding the best players on the other end. And even though he's not locking them up per se, he's making them work. And you need a guy that's going to go out there and make guys work. And that's what Terrence Mann does. At the same time he does that, Paul George and Kawhi get to relax and go lesser players to conserve for the offensive end and you know who else was helping with that Eric Gordon by the way Terrence Mann 10 for 12 from the field 3 for 4 from deep insane shooting splits just insane but Eric Gordon came in immediately made an impact and you know we found out again from Ty Lue he clearly doesn't like Robert Covington nine man rotation no Norman Powell, but Nor- goddamn Robert Covington still can't get in the mix. And I have to give him so much credit for the way he has stayed professional this season. You know, Reggie Jackson couldn't handle having a lesser role, couldn't handle not playing. John Wall wasn't having it either. But Robert Covington, who kind of unfairly has been just riding pine the entire season, has not bitched, has not complained one second, at least not that we know. And every time I holler him at a holler at him at the game, as you guys can see in the videos. He always smiles and says what's good. He always has a positive attitude. He's over there on the bench, one of the biggest cheerleaders. You just can't ask for more from that kind of guy, that kind of sacrifice. Because, you know, if it were me, I don't know if I'd have that kind of maturity. I'd be like, man, I want to go somewhere where I'm valued. I want to get traded. But let's talk about the nine-man uh, bench. I'm sorry, the nine-man rotation, the four-man bench. Bones, Highland, Eric Gordon, Mason Plumley, and Nico. Before I get into that, actually, I just want to say Ivica Zubac, really good start to the game. Getting rebounds, good defense, finishing around the rim a little bit. But the steal he had on Devin Booker on the perimeter in that first quarter was hilarious. He straight up cookied this man. And Terrence Mann went all the way for a dunk. So seeing Zoo out there moving his feet like that on a late switch. And that's something that was happening a lot, both with Plumlee in and with Zoo. Is that, as I said, the, the guards, I think, were dying too easily on screens just not navigating them very well outside of like Eric Gordon. And we were forced to switch certain matchups that we just weren't supposed to switch. We were only switching them because we were behind on the pick and roll. And that's when Aiton, certain guys were getting some easy buckets down low. But overall, we were pretty good. Won the first quarter 28-23. And as I said, Eric Gordon came in and immediately showed what he was about. And the thing that impressed me most about EJ the entire game was his defense. He was guarding Devin Booker and doing an exceptional job, showing his strength, showing exactly why the Clippers went out and got him and why he's an upgrade over Luke Kennard because he's not going to get bullied defensively by any means. I actually watched Luke Kennard's first game with Memphis against Boston, and there were times where they were making him switch on a guy he has no business of guarding and they had to overcompensate, as opposed to Eric Gordon, who's guarding the best scorer, the best player on the on the Suns now that, you know, before Kevin Durant's been traded there in Devin Booker and holding his own locking him up on multiple possessions. And not only that, his ability to shoot the ball. He hit one three from the right wing that was 30 feet out tonight. He got to the rim. He was able to play and pick and roll and make plays. But it's the defense, the, the hands, the strength that really is impressing me most about EJ. And then the other guys, Mason Plumley thought he was absolutely everywhere when he came in. You know, Jock Landale, has had his way with us in two games that we've played against him this season. And mind you, we played the Suns twice this season. We played them on opening night. There's a vlog of that on my channel. Oh, Clippers home opener, I should say, not opening night. 
got spanked. Kawhi was on a minutes restriction. And I need to say, this was the first game Kawhi Leonard played against the Suns where he wasn't on a minutes restriction since the 2021 season. Because he missed the conference finals, he didn't play last season, and then this season he was on a minutes restriction on opening night, and then he Paul George and Kawhi didn't play when we played them at Staples Center again. So it was nice to play them, even though they're not at full strength, no Kevin Durant. But it was nice to play Booker, Aiton, and Chris Paul and beat them. Because I think even if they had Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson, yeah, it would have been a good series if we played them. But I would still fancy our chances. But yeah, Terrence Mann, Ivica Zubots, um, Paul George really set the tone to start. PGs, when his jumper's falling, I mean, there's not much you can do if you're the other team. Like, straight up. It's just, it's inconsistent, you know, for a star. It's because he takes a lot of long jump shots and at times over dribbles, which I think adds to the... I don't want to say the wear and tear, but it, it you know, it, it, it gets to your legs. And when you just end up shooting a bunch of jumpers, it, it's very easy to go cold and shoot yourself out of the game, even a shooter as good as Paul George. But what I liked in this game was he was being aggressive, but he was also just making a shot. He was hitting his jumper. Clippers are up 28 to 23 after one. Second quarter, not that great. And I have to say, Paul George, some reckless turnovers. You know, there was those two in the backcourt back-to-back where Nico Batum on one, he passed it into Paul, but he tapped it so fast that I don't think Paul thought that it was an official pass, inbounds pass. And Paul just let the ball pass him by. Damian Lee picked it up and scored. I was literally so angry because all the Clipper players, like three different guys just stood there and watched him lay it in. And I was like, guys, that was a fucking inbounds pass. Like, what are you doing? And then off the timeout, we throw the ball away again and they score on the inbounds in the backcourt. But other than that, and I know it says Paul George had four turnovers tonight, this is why watching the games is very important. The turnovers that he had tonight, besides those ones I just mentioned in the backcourt, were not nearly as costly. And the timeliness when you do certain things matters in basketball. When you score, when you get a big stop, when you turn the ball over, if it's a live ball turnover or if it's not. And Paul George, the, the reason why we get on him so much is not just because he turns the ball over a lot, but he has very timely turnovers. And that's another reason why I don't want Russ, because both of those two have timely turnovers. We saw it in Oklahoma City, but if you want to read box scores and make excuses for them in those two years, then you're not going to see it and you're not going to admit to it. I was rooting for them both years. They both had crucial turnovers against Portland and Utah. But tonight, Paul George was much better. And I thought he really led by example in a game in which Kawhi was 0 for 8 in the first half, bricking every shot. And a lot of them were just long jumpers. He wasn't getting any easy looks. He wasn't getting to the foul line. Same with Devin Booker. So they were both cold. Josh Akogi was keeping them in the game alongside the Clipper turnovers. Because other than that, all our other players were playing well. Eric Gordon, Mason Plumley. Man, I thought he was so great. Just... I mentioned Jock Landales bullied us in two games, but tonight he was, you know, he was reminded who he was. You're not like Andrew Bogan in his prime, buddy, just because you're Australian. You are Jack Lawndale. I don't even know what the f- Jock Landale, Jack Lawndale, whatever the fuck he is, Palmdale. I don't give a fuck. I thought Mason Plumley was better, and what really impresses me about Mason Plumley is his ability to handle the ball. He is a lot more mobile than I thought. Like, I remember him being in the dunk contest in Brooklyn way back when, but he was able to get the ball and push and give us numbers when in reality, we probably shouldn't be having numbers when our center just gets a rebound like that. But because he has the ability to get his head up, dribble the ball, and make a play, I mean, that's an incredible luxury that's going to come in handy. And you saw a little bit of that in the Golden State game as well. 
But yeah, finishing around the rim, setting good screens, just the perfect backup big. What an addition that was. You've got to give Lawrence Frank a ton of credit. And then Busy Bones Highland. You know, I think in this game you saw a little bit more of his defensive deficiencies. Like, what I think about Bones is he's going to make a lot of the mistakes that Reggie makes. You know, he's going to die on some screens. But one thing I liked about Bones is at least he's actually sitting down in a stance at times. Reggie Jackson was not. Bones is a smaller guard, yes, but he does have long arms just like Reggie. So he has potential on that end. Like he did get a steal last game. I just think he's just going to have to work hard and get through screens and play as hard as he can. A smaller guard getting over screens at the NBA level is tough, especially when you have guys setting the screens that are massive. But I don't think it was just Bones Highland that was dying on screens in this game. There were a couple guys dying on screens. Even Terrence Mann was a little behind on a lot of screens. And I think Chris Paul and Devin Booker were just missing. They were both ice cold, combined two for 10 in the first half. And that being said, the game was still you know, 52 to 54, we were only up by two points because the turnovers were keeping him in the game. But Kawhi Leonard was 0 for 8, and Chris Paul and Devin Booker were 1 for 5 each. But as I said, as far as Bones Highland, I also thought he wasn't hijacking the offense, both halves, and that's what I loved. At times, Reggie Jackson would come in and just totally do too much because he knows he's Reggie Jackson, we chant his name, Ty Lue loves him, he got us to the conference finals, all that. Bones Highland's coming in. He knows that if he fucks around, he's not going to get that many minutes, especially with all this talk of Russ and Pat Bev on the buyout and all that. He knows that he needs to play well or he's going to get taken out of the rotation. And so far, he's doing a good job, in my opinion, of giving the ball up to guys like Eric Gordon, to Paul George. Because Kawhi, uh, I'm sorry, Kawhi and Paul were staggered tonight. Ty Lue kept one of them in at all times. So that was a different approach than what we saw against Golden State. But that's because Norman Powell was out. And instead of going with a total bench lineup, which he could have done with Rocco, he really doesn't seem to like Rocco. So he went with a nine-man rotation and staggered Kawhi and Paul. And I liked it because the only player that's under 6'4 now is Busy Bones. I mean, just by making that trade and getting rid of Reggie and John, we helped the and Kennard, we helped the whole small guard issue so much. Because we can run with Norman Powell, Eric Gordon, and Bones Highland out there together. Because Eric Gordon and Norman Powell are 6'4 and jacked. And Eric Gordon is clearly proving that he is much better defensively than we bargained for. And, like, I'm sorry, guys. Like, I can't contain my excitement to have Eric Gordon back on this team. To have him back with Steve Ballmer as our owner to get a chance to do something that was never even in a million years thought of when he was first drafted, when he was on the team. Like, I, again, the little kid in me, bro, like, I went to games where I was sitting behind the basket and we were playing Brandon Roy's Blazers and we were getting the shit kicked out of us. But Eric Gordon had this one dunk where he came down the lane and I just didn't know he had that bounce in him. I just remember, like, getting out of my seat. Like, those are the moments as a kid that stick with you so much. And it's sad to see guys like SGA, Eric Gordon go. I mean, SGA we only had for one year. Eric Gordon we had for three. And to see him go, it was bittersweet because we got Chris Paul. But to see him come back now, unfinished business, playing the way he was playing tonight after all these trials and tribulations in Houston and all the injuries he's had in New Orleans. I mean, it's just like feel-good story, man, for a fan like me. I mean, I've been a fan for 18 years. I remember the first year of Eric Gordon in 2008 and 08-9. We won 19 games that season. 19. That's what makes these teams, like wins like this, just like it's, sometimes you do have to take a step back and not take it for granted. I know I, I shit on people that, like, I've given the Clippers a ton of passes this season. I always shit on them because I think that you're being soft because the expectation is to win a championship. But sometimes you do have to take a step back when the team is 
playing the way they are tonight, you can take a step back and appreciate it. When they're bullshitting into a bunch of load management and they're not playing hard, then it's easy to get on them. But here's my point about Bones. The point is he's going to make his mistakes, but with Reggie, he had peaked already. So there was no, there was no upside there when he was making mistakes. Bones is a young player with all the potential in the world, and we could have him long-term. So I'm okay with him making mistakes. And plus, he has so much more juice off the bounce than Reggie, and he hit a three in that first half, and that put a smile on my face. And in the second half, I thought we just overall tightened up a little bit, but you saw Devin Booker and Kawhi start to get going. Devin Booker hit a couple of jumpers. Kawhi finally got to the foul line, and that's what got him going. He was still bricking in the beginning of the third quarter, but he got to the foul line, and then he was going downhill full head of steam when he got a screen from, like, somebody was picking up beyond half court, and he got a screen really high, and he got to the baseline for a little step back mid-range. And then he started hitting his shots, but he didn't hit shots past like 15 feet tonight. He didn't really have the long-range jumper in him. It was mainly foul line and in, but he at least still hit a couple of shots. He finished 5 for 18 in the game. He was 0 for 5 from deep, but 6 of 6 from the line, which was actually the most free throw attempts of any clipper. And he had 16 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists. But what I think about Kawhi is I don't even actually think he was that bad. He just missed shots. But I thought that his help defense and his rotations were really good. There were a couple times where he rotated and he was the cause of somebody missing or hesitating. And that's that's what you want. You want him to just be engaged at least and play defense because he's not going to be guarding the best players all the time. In fact, he guards the best players very, very, very rarely. Let's keep it a buck with Kawhi on defense. He doesn't guard the good players very much, only when they switch. And the, the thing is, teams are not stupid. They're not going to put Kawhi in the action. So a lot of times, he's just a help defender, which is okay when you got Eric Gordon out there busting his ass like that. So third quarter overall for us, we won it 37-32. to 32. And again, the Clippers, 116 points tonight. The offense that's been so often criticized this season, playing well. And it starts with guys like Paul George. Actually being aggressive, he was much more aggressive these last two games going to the rim. I don't know if he's had his legs feel better or he's just like, fuck it, I'm not going to bullshit anymore. But he's been much better getting to the rim. And that's not really reflected on the fact that he had four foul shots tonight only. At least he made them all. He shot 11 threes, only made four of them. So again, I'd like to see him shoot like one less. I can't complain though when we win. 11 threes is fine. If we win the game, we win the game. That's like 35% or something, 36%. But he was 9 for 19 overall, and I just thought that he was making plays. And Terrence, man, I mean, he was just so efficient and just making shots, driving. Can't ask for much more. And as I said, Mason, Eric. And in the beginning of the fourth quarter, Bones even got to the foul line a little bit, hit another shot. There was one, that one shot. He, by the way, Bones Highland, four free throw attempts, made all of them. And there was that nice shot he hit on the left baseline where he hung in the air. Like, that was really tough. He's got so much wiggle to his game, man. And what I love about Bones is he said that one of his favorite players growing up was Jamal Crawford. And, I mean, that's a, that's that's going to get you some brownie points in Clipperland for show for show. Because Jamal Crawford, I mean, what can you say about Jay Cross? He might be my favorite shooting guard of all time. Two times six man of the year, 2014, 2016. And guess what? We're going to add another one this year with Norman Powell, who was sorely missed tonight, but ultimately it didn't matter because we came out with the big W. 116 to 107. And I have to say, we really kept Chris Paul in check the whole game. And Ivica Zubats in the second half was really solid for me. He had this really nice play where he had an, a tip on a lob pass to DeAndre Ayton, doing a good job in drop coverage and pick and roll. And he had a, was it a, it was a really, he had a nice dunk too. 
in the second half, if I'm not mistaken. Or was that Kawhi? No, I don't think it was Zoo. Kawhi had a really nice dunk late in the game where he ripped through going to his left. And when he threw that down with authority, I knew we had the win. But for me, the player of the game is either Terrence Mann or Paul George. You can pick your poison. And one thing I have to mention, and it's huge, and I think this is a big thing for us going forward this season, Marcus Morris did not really play much in the second half. He only played 19 minutes, and I don't even recall him playing in the fourth. We actually closed with Eric Gordon, Terrence Mann, Zubats, Kawhi, and Paul. And I'm loving it. And Nico Batum had another cold night from the field. Three points, one for four, one for four from deep. It was a pretty quiet Nico game, but he absolutely just helps being out there. He was plus one, which, you know, doesn't really say much, but I just love having Nico out there. Wasn't really his night tonight, but the Clippers win it 116-107. to 107. We take care of business in a game we should have won because the Suns are very shorthanded and they lack depth. Josh Akogi was keeping him in the game, making all these fucking threes. We were leaving him open. It was clearly part of the game plan, but he was 6-for-12 from deep, so more power to him. And with the lack of depth giving up Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson... He's going to play a solid role, especially guarding you know, very big-time players on other teams. He's shooting 33% from three this season, so he shot way above the average tonight. It is what it is. Ultimately, we got the win, and the Suns only shot 35.5% from three on 11 for 31. So we'll take that win. I think the main story of the game for the Clippers is we kept Booker and Chris Paul in check. They had a combined 24 points on 8 for 24 shooting. So shooting 33% between the two of them. And then DeAndre Ayton's 8 for 13, and they just don't give him the ball enough. Like, that's the problem with the Suns, is they just don't empower that guy. If he's shooting that efficiently and your two best players are not shooting well, he should be getting 18, 19 shots, especially without Mikhail Bridges and all these guys. Like, we'll see how DeAndre Ayton handles being the fourth option because they really undervalue him offensively. But whatever. I don't have to give a shit about what the Suns' problems are, do I? Clippers win it 116-107. to 107. They close the game. The Suns really never got the crowd super, super into it. They made it like a five-point game. I think that's really like the closest they got. But I wasn't very nervous in the game at all. And I thought that Paul George, you know, I recall him hitting a pretty big mid-range in crunch time. Yeah, with 433 left, he put us up 105-98. That was when we were only up by five. That was a big shot. And when Chris Paul lost the ball, and it was Paul George that cookied him. That was awesome. Clean rip. We got the jump ball, and Terrence Mann got a layup. And you just can't say enough about Terrence Mann attacking closeouts. And Eric Gordon, he was just superb. 116 to 107 is the final. The Clippers outscore the Suns 25 to 23. Win three quarters out of four. So very close to giving no quarter. Of course, it was the second quarter we gave up. That's been our worst quarter this season. But going into the All-Star break, we are 33 and 28, which is not a great record. 18 and 15 away from home, which is actually the best road record in the West. Kawhi Leonard is starting to play really well, even though he wasn't fantastic tonight. Paul George has had two really, really good games in a row for me. Good games is what we need him to do. He's going to be representing us in Utah on, uh, on Sunday, which is awesome. That's his second all-star appearance to the Clippers. It really should be three, but he was injured last season, so he wasn't going to play. But I'm proud of Paul George. And obviously, you know, Utah for Paul George, is definitely a special place now after that Game 5, which was one of the best performances in Clipper playoff history. Let's read the lines tonight for the Phoenix Suns. They played 12 guys tonight. Damian Lee played 8 minutes. He had 7 points on 3 for 4 shooting. He was actually pretty good. It was a plus 4. I don't know why they didn't play more. Jock Landale only played 4 minutes after Mason Plumley bitched his ass. Bismack Biombo, 12 minutes. 
Four points, four boards on two for two. Not much there. TJ Warren only played eight minutes. Shot twice. Made one shot. Wade Wright played seven minutes. Didn't even get a shot up. Got three fouls. Was hacking left and right. The most significant bench player for the Suns, the only one that got over 12 minutes, was Terrence Ross. I'm not sure if this was his first Suns game, but that was a big-time addition for them because they need anyone that can get off the bench with campaign, and he was making shots. And Terrence Ross always cooks us. Like, dating back to that 50-point game he had with Toronto, my God, this guy always cooks us, and he was hitting some tough-ass shots. And then there's starters. They all played 27-plus minutes. Torrey Craig had six points and six boards on two for six shooting. Two for three from deep. Played really good defense on Kawhi. Josh Okogie, 24 points. He was their leading scorer. Five rebounds on nine for 16 shooting and six for 12 from deep in 41 minutes. And then their big three. Now it's going to be a big four soon. DeAndre Ayton, 18 points, six rebounds on eight for 13 shooting. Only two foul shots. Definitely not enough, uh, not, not enough shot attempts. Chris Paul, 5 points, 11 assists, 4 steals, 2 for 8 from the field. Could barely even get a shot off. Missed a couple of shots he always makes, but he was nothing. And he is just, he's old, man. He's never going to be an all-star again. Love the guy. But just all he has is foul baiting and taking advantage of bigs and drop coverage now. And he's a great passer in the pick and roll, I will say still. Devin Booker, not a very good night for him. Really just didn't get any easy shots. Didn't get to the basket like that. And that's his one flaw to me as a scorer. 19 points, 9 assists, 5 turnovers though. 6 for 16 from the field and 1 for 6 from deep. Let's read some comments before we go into the Clippers side of things. Is there a lag, by the way, guys? Please let me know if there's a lag. StreamYard's been kind of fucking up for me a little bit lately. Uzer Khan says, common W dime. Gilbert Rivera says, love how Morris sat and Eric Gordon is playing. He was a stud on Booker. Absolutely. KKA says, dime dropper rules. Raid Chowdhury says, how you doing, Darian? I'm doing well after a win. You already know. He says, I hope you all get Russ. Why? You want us to lose? Ace Boogie says, thoughts on D'Angelo Russell's fit long-term in the Lakers and how much of an upgrade he is over Russ. I'm going to get into that right in a second. Ace Boogie says, also, is most of your family Lakers fans or Clippers fans? Laker fans. Uzair Khan says, T. Ross has always been a Clipper killer. That's right. Nathan Cruz says, Eric Gordon is greater than Luke Kennard. Uzair Khan says, me too, getting Eric Gordon back. Watching him cook CP3 felt so good. But anyway, let's talk about the Clippers stat line before going to the Lakers. Bones Highland, nine points and three rebounds. He did turn the ball over three times, though, so you want to see him clean that up. But again, he's getting used to things. I liked what I, what I saw overall. Nine points in 16 minutes. He was two for four. Kept it efficient. Didn't shoot too much. Made his only three and made all his free throws. So we'll take that. And then Mason Plumley Only played 18 minutes but was exceptional in his minutes. Plus nine off the bench. Six points. Six boards. Three assists. One steal. One block. No turnovers. Two for two from the field. He was able to get the rebound and push the ball a little bit. And I just really like the way he's always looking for guys on cuts and such. Nico already talked about three points, two boards, two assists, one for four from the field. All those shot attempts were threes. Eric Gordon, 13 points, seven assists, two steals, zero turnovers. Guarded Devin Booker and did a hell of a job. Three for eight from the field, two for five from deep, five for five from the line. You cannot say enough about EJ. Just adding so much to the team on both ends and his ability to get downhill and play make is exactly what we needed. As for the starters, Marcus Morris only 19 minutes, four points on two for six shooting and 0 for four from deep. I think we're starting to see what we've been asking for. Less Marcus Morris because when his shot's not falling, what else are you going to do? 
Zubats, 13 points and 12 boards, six of those offensive rebounds on six for nine shooting. It was really solid for me in 29 minutes of play. Terrence Mann, 26 points, four rebounds, three assists on 10 for 12 shooting and three for four from deep in 35 minutes. He was awesome and finally got to play in the fourth quarter. Hallelujah. Kawhi Leonard, five for 18 from the field, 16 points, nine rebounds, four assists, two turnovers, plus nine, not even one foul, which is interesting. Paul George, my player of the game because he led the way, 26 points, six rebounds, five assists, four turnovers, which isn't great, but we'll take it because they weren't too timely. Nine for 19 from the field, four for 11 from deep. Big win for us, and now we are in the fourth seed going in to the All-Star break, which brings me to our next discussion, and that is the Lakers. Please, by the way, let me know, is there a lag in the chat? Because right now it looks like my screen's a little bit laggy, but let's talk about it. Let's start with the Lakers. So I have to confess, Laker fans, that I have not watched the last two games. I just haven't had the time. I will try to watch them before we resume. But I watched the game against Golden State. And, I mean, Jared Vanderbilt looks exactly like what I said he was going to look like when I talked about the trade in the episode. Defending, being in the passing lanes, intercepting passes, getting to the basket. He had this really nice spin move for a layup. I mean, the athleticism he's going to add to the Lakers, and he's already added to the Lakers. It's very apparent early on. And Darvin Ham, in the game against New Orleans, he finally didn't start Dennis Schroeder. He went with D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, LeBron, and AD. And that is a great starting lineup. And you saw it. They absolutely dominated New Orleans. Granted, no Zion, but... The Lakers are a good team now. I truly believe that. It's just a matter of LeBron James and Anthony Davis staying healthy. And then they they can't really afford to mess around at this point. Thunder and Blazers and Utah are all going to be in the mix. They got to win some games. They got to win some games. They need to stay on the court. They need to get it together. And they beat the Pelicans 120-102. to 102 at the Staples Center on Wednesday. And I already think, you know... The added size of Jared Vanderbilt, Rui Hachimura, you know, they don't have that many smaller guards anymore. You know, and I think Lonnie Walker, I think sadly he's going to get a lot less minutes now for the Lakers after these new guys came in. And Rui Hachimura, he adds size. Jared Vanderbilt, he adds size. Malik Beasley, if he's the smallest guy in your lineup, he's 6'4", 6'5", he can still shoot the ball. So the Lakers have more shooting now. It just changes everything. And Anthony Davis started to play like his old self last night. 28 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, and 2 blocks. Didn't turn the ball over once. 13 for 17 from the field. He was dominant. And the Lakers led the entire way. They were up 13 after 1, and they never looked back. They're 27-32 and 32 now, 500 at home, which is no good. But it's a totally new team now, now that Russ is gone. And D'Angelo Russell, 21.7 assists. He got to the line 10 times, made 8 free throws, shot 60% from deep on 3 for 5, and 5 for 12 from the field. He will be able to space the floor for LeBron, who had 21-6-6 six six for AD. And he is good in the pick and roll. He's a tough shot maker. I'm a big D'Angelo Russell fan. And it's really, you know, for a Laker fan, I just talked about Eric Gordon coming back for our Clippers. But it's definitely a feel-good feeling that D'Angelo Russell is back where he began because he was the first top five pick for the Lakers since James Worthy? It may have been since James Worthy. Correct me if I'm wrong there, but he may have been the first Laker top five pick since big game. And 
He did show promise the first two years, but he did have injuries, and the Lakers would always plummet when he was injured. And then obviously, you know, he had the whole Nick Young incident, and Magic Johnson didn't fuck with it. So he traded him, and obviously he wanted Lonzo. But he's going to be great in the second stint with the Lakers. He's been an all-star, and I think, as I said in the, in the trade deadline episode, it's a perfect role for him. So the Lakers, it's going to be a big-time home stretch, but they look good, and I think that they are a good team now. Another team I've been checking out recently, the new-look Brooklyn Nets. What a very interesting team this is. They're the real wing stop. Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Dorian Finney-Smith, Nick Claxton. I mean, the amount of guys they can switch on to people and guard number one options is fascinating. But the problem is they just don't have a clear number one. That's the thing. I mean, Cam Thomas and Spencer Dinwiddie are really electric offensive players. And Mikhail Bridges is absolutely growing as an offensive player. But... They still don't have a true number one. And that's why they I don't think they're going to... I don't know if they'll make the playoffs. They're going to be in the play-in. I don't know if they'll win. I think the Knicks will overtake them now. And I watched the Knicks game against them. And I just think Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson may just be the two best players in the court. I mean, you can argue Mikael Bridges over... Uh, I don't know if you can argue Mikael Bridges over Brunson. Let me know in the comments. Mikael Bridges or Jalen Brunson? Who would you rather have? But Jalen Brunson, I mean, he has just been unbelievable this season. And I honestly think... You know, when we had all ball come on when the Clippers played the Knicks two weeks ago, he said it's Brunson's team. And I can see why he said that. Because he's so much more reliable at the end of the games. But the Nets are just interesting. And Mikhail Bridges had 45 points last night. I didn't watch the game, but I watched their game against against uh, Philly where they lost by one. That was Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson's debut. And Mikhail was really good. I saw their game against Chicago. It was, it was Spencer Dinwiddie's return. He was really good. And then I saw the game against the Knicks. And speaking of the Knicks, Josh Hart. What an addition that was. I've always been a Josh Hart fan. He's a great rebounding guard, one of the best in the league. He defends. He competes. He's really good finishing in transition, just a good finisher in general. And he's a Chelsea fan, which gets him props from me. But I think that was a really good addition for the Knicks. I don't know how long it's going to take before he starts. Because I would honestly start him, Brunson, Barrett, Randall, and Robinson when everyone's healthy. Right now, that spot belongs to Quinton Grimes, but we'll see if Josh Hart starts. And what's interesting about Josh Hart is I've always felt he was a winning player. I mean, he was obviously a champion at Villanova, but he was on the Lakers, right, for I think it was a year or two years. It was two years, 2017, 18, and 18, 19. Then he was traded to New Orleans, was there for 19, 20, 20, 21, and then he was traded for Larry Nance. Has he even played in a playoff game? I don't think Josh Hart has ever played in a playoff game. And this is going to be the first time he does this season with the Knicks make it, inshallah, which I think they will. I had the Knicks as the 10th seed before the season, but they stand now at, what, 6th right now? They're, no, they're 7th, but I think they're going to be 6th. They're going to take over the Nets very soon. Yeah, Josh Hart's never played a postseason game in his life. So imagine playing a postseason game for MSG. I mean, that's going to be awesome for him. So good for Josh Hart. The Knicks are pretty soft. Oh, the Knicks are sixth now. The Heat are seventh, but they're only half a game behind the Knicks. I think that the Nets will drop out, even though they're three ahead of the loss column over the Heat and the Knicks. But I think they'll drop out, and the Knicks and the Heat will get those last two spots. I want it to be the Hawks, but they're clearly not going to. They're going to be in the playing spot. I predicted them to finish seventh, and I think they'll finish either seventh or eighth. But the fact that they didn't really get better, and you're not really seeing it record-wise with Murray is a big concern. I haven't been watching them lately. I know the whole Nate McMillan thing is toxic, and they're starting to get sick of Trey Young over there. Not the fans, but I heard some things within the organization that he's starting to become a pain in the ass. 
But I want to watch their game against the Knicks that they got destroyed recently, and then I'll talk about them. And I think I'm going to do one episode before the season resumes right after the All-Star break because there's a couple of days off before the NBA resumes again. So I will be talking about, like, you know, the home stretch, like looking at the standings, what I've thought of every team thus far real quick, and then, you know, talk about it as we go forward. But who else was it? Were they going to mention anyone else? New Look Mavericks? I mean, I, so I've watched I watched both of their games with Kyrie, the one I was at, the first one, which there's a vlog up on the channel. It only has not even 200 views, guys. You don't want to see Kyrie Irving's debut? It was a good video. Check it out. It was the first game, first possession as a Mav, whatever. But I think there's a problem with the Mavs, and that's that – not a problem, I should say, but one thing to look, look at is Kyrie Irving and Luka at the end of games. That's two guys that the defense – that the offenses are going to want to target. So you got to look at that. It's going to come down to them defending and then making big plays offensively at the end of games. We know they can make the big offensive plays, but they need a guard. Josh Green, Dwight Powell, and Reggie Bullock are better defenders than them, so it's only logical to put them in the pick and roll if you're the other team. So that's what they got to do. But overall, they're dangerous, you know, getting Luka and Kyrie. And I know they're, they've lost both games with Luka and Kyrie. I didn't watch the Minnesota one. The Sacramento one, they just lost in overtime because De'Aaron Fox was amazing, and Luka and Kyrie didn't do a great job guarding at the end. But it was like they just beat them the night before. They lost. Sacramento's a good team. It's a tough place to play. It is what it is. But that's it for me tonight, guys. My computer's going to die, so I'm going to get my charger so I can talk to you guys right now. Super Chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar a dime. I'm going to read the comments. Please do not go anywhere. Thanks for joining me. I will probably do a live at some point, like talking about All-Star Weekend. And then an episode after that, before the season resumes, just talking about the playoff picture, the home stretch, what to expect going forward. Maybe have Fabian on or a guest for that. But thanks for joining me. Make sure to leave a review if you'd like on Apple Podcasts. And now we'll go to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Super Chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar a dime. Peace.